Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Have you had a good week? Yeah, some of you had a good week. I know we've got a lot of folks that are traveling on vacation, so we pray uh, that they are safe and, and being safe as they're journeying about. But uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house. If you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, take it and turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 in the precious Word of God this morning. And uh, Last week, first of all, if you're visiting here today, you're visiting online or you're here, man, thank you so much for joining us. I pray that you'll get a connection card, fill that out, take it to the information desk, or at least grab your phone and text the word visitor to 540-306-6800 so that we could have a record of your visit, but also that we might be able to uh, be a blessing to you and your family, pray for you in any way that's uh, possible, but... uh, If you'll take that connection card back, we have a gift back at that information desk that we want to give to you just to say thank you for being here today. Uh, But uh, again, it's been a busy week. Uh, Some of the the work items that are needing to be done, the punch list items, if you please, started this week. And so uh, we had contractors back in the space doing more work and uh, uh, touching up some things that need to be touched up. Not everything is done yet, but... uh, We uh, thank the Lord, and uh, really, as I was sharing with you last week, to God be the glory. Amen? Great things He has done, and and we're so grateful to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, This morning, oh, also, I want to say this, just kind of a follow-up plug. If you weren't here last Sunday, I want to really encourage you, uh, not because I preached it, but I want to encourage you because I really believe it will be a blessing to you to go to our website and watch last week's message. Amen? Uh, literally, Depending on God. I, I, the title of the message was Happy Dependence Day. And really the idea of us recommitting ourselves to depending on God in the day in which we live. And I pray that will be an encouragement and a, a challenge to you as well. This morning, Psalm 100, let's look together and see what the Lord has for us this morning. In the beginning right there in verse number 1, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that he, that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Look at verse number five. For the Lord is what? Say that word again. He's good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth. Do you know that God is truth? Amen? His truth, the Bible says, endureth to all generations. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the songs that we have seen. We thank You, uh, sung. We thank You for the opportunity just to get together. But God, even in the midst of a busy, busy week... We thank you for the young man that placed his faith in the risen Savior of this world. And God, we thank you for a life changed through the power of the gospel and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the young people that went to camp. We thank you for the counselors that gave of their precious time to be at camp. We thank you for those that are leading our children's ministry, even this morning and and did so on Wednesday night and the opportunities that we've had this week to get into your word. God, today as we approach your holy throne... I ask that you'll bless your word and that you'll accomplish through your word exactly what you desire today. Lord, I do pray that if there's somebody in our midst, whether in person or watching, that has never placed their faith in Christ, 
God, I pray that today that you would draw them unto yourself where they might find forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. God, I pray for uh, others that are, that are believers that God certainly just need to rekindle that relationship with you, God, that you would do that. Lord, I pray that you'll be honored most of all and glorified through what is said during the next few moments of time. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen. Well, it's good to see you again. This morning I want to talk to you about approaching the king. Have you ever been in the presence of a king? I would say you are right now. I would say you are right now. Uh, we come together as a church family to approach the king with great regularity in worship. And uh, on Wednesday nights, I've been leading a Bible study uh, surrounding some of the various protocols of prayer. And um, really, the idea is, is looking at some clear guidelines, clear instructions from the Word of God that teach us how you and I should approach, how we should appeal, uh, and, and how we should address the Lord when we go to Him in prayer. And so that got me thinking, and personally, I've really been blessed and challenged by that study. And uh, by the way, as a, a little plug, I would encourage you on Wednesday nights to join us. We have two Bible studies right now. I'm teaching this series on uh, uh, the biblical protocols of prayer, uh, but my wife is also teaching uh, a study uh, on Rachel and Leah. And so I know that those will be a blessing to you. But in our last lesson this past Wednesday night, uh, I was discussing uh, some of the various protocols, and over the past three weeks, we've gone through nine of them. We've talked about such things as, uh, as the fatherhood protocol, the reverence protocol, uh, the praise protocol, the humility protocol. But I was struck this past week when we looked at the kingdom protocol as it relates to prayer. And I was reminding the folks that were here on Wednesday night that every kingdom, now think about this, every kingdom has a king. Do you know that? Any of you kings of your castle at home? Be careful about trying to be the king of your own castle, sir. You might think you have some subjects underneath you, uh, but uh, you, you might want to acquiesce and, uh, and uh, kind of rule together, you and your wife. Uh, but anyway, every kingdom has a king. And I was saying that every king has subjects. And the reality of every kingdom and every king having subjects is that uh, those subjects in the kingdom under the leadership and guidance of the king are subject and must abide by the various instructions and laws of the king. Do you know that we have a king? And he gives us various laws and instructions that we too must abide. And this got me thinking about how not only we approach God in prayer, the protocols for prayer, but the protocol for worship and how we approach the king for worship. And all week I kept on titling this message, worshiping, worshiping the king, worshiping the king. And then I digressed. I said, no, it's not worshiping the king. It's approaching the king in worship. And throughout scripture, there are various Hebrew and Greek words from the Old Testament and New Testament that are used uh, and translated, quite honestly, into this word, in this English word, uh, worship. But two prominent words stand out. In the Old Testament, the predominant word translated as worship literally means this, to depress. That is to prostrate, prostrate instinctively in reverence to God. Now, the word prostrate means to what? Get on our face. 
to lie down, basically to humble ourselves, to be brought low, to get down in the prostrate or the prone position. It means to bow down, to crouch, to fall down flat. But notice the last thing, worship is what it means. It's literally worship means worship. Now look at in the New Testament, the word most often used and translated as worship is taken actually from two Greek words. They're root words and they come together and they literally mean, first of all, to kiss the hand. The first root word and literally the illustration that's given when you look at this first root word is that of a dog sitting at his master's feet licking his master's hand. Now I don't want to call myself or any of us dogs this morning. But the idea of worship means to kiss the hand. Now watch, it goes on. It says to fawn or to crouch. That is literally or figuratively to prostrate oneself in homage to reverence or adore. In other words, worship is all about recognizing and ascribing worth to someone or something. And so the idea this morning is as we gather to approach the king are we ascribing, are we, have we recognized, have we ascribed worth to our great God and King? Or on a regular basis do we ascribe worth to someone or something else? And since Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 24, here's what he said. He said, God is a spirit, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, a couple of things stand out just from that short verse. And I would encourage you to go back and read from verse 21, 22, 23, and 24. But a couple of things in verse 24 stand out. And number one is that worship is something for repentant believers that are being led by the Holy Spirit of God. See... Repentant believers, listen, not just believers, but repentant believers. See, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of devils that believe in God. But have they repented and trusted God? No. It's, worship is for repentant believers who are being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And worship is based on the truth of who God is. You'll never worship God if you're basing it on something else other than the truth of His Word. And while we understand, and let me just say this at the outset, we understand that worship is not simply doing a bunch of things. It's not about, hey, I'm going to worship the Lord, so I'm going to go cut the grass at the church. I'm going to worship the Lord, so I'm going to play the guitar or the bass, or I'm going to play the cajon, or I'm going to sing. I'm going to worship the Lord. No, that's not what it's all about. But I believe here in God's Word that the Lord offers us some insight some instructions, some protocols, if you please, of what our approach to Him as worshipers should look like. Earlier this week, I was reading a story surrounding the passing of a gentleman by the name of Dr. Raymond Edmond. Uh, Dr. Edmond was an American minister, educator, and author, and he was the fourth president of Wheaton College in Illinois uh, from 1941 to 1965. And uh, it was during that time Billy Graham called Edmund, he called him one of the most unforgettable Christians he had ever met. And that's high praise coming from Billy Graham. But anyway, uh, at the time of Edmund's uh, fatal heart attack and passing, he was doing what I told my wife I would love to be doing. And not to shock or scare anybody, I said, man, wouldn't it be great if I was just preaching the word of God and God said, boom, called me on. Well, that's what Dr. Edmund was doing. He was preaching to chapel at Wheaton College at the time of his fatal heart attack and passing. And interestingly enough, um, the title of his message, taken from Psalm 100 at the time of his passing, was In the Presence of the King. 
And his topic was worship. In the presence of the king, this grand old servant of the Lord was preaching about the impres- the pr- being in the presence of the king. And during his message, it was said that Dr. Edmund shared this story about how years ago he had come to uh, have the opportunity to have an audience and to have the opportunity to speak to the king of Ethiopia. And as he was getting ready to meet the king of Ethiopia, some of the king's uh, people came to Dr. Edmund and said, Listen, sir, uh, we're going to let you speak with the king, but there are certain protocols that you must follow in order to have this audience with the king. By the way, I've been following protocols since I was a baby. Every one of us follow protocols, whether you like it or not. As a child, I don't know if it's taught anymore, but as a child, I was taught to say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. As a child, I was taught to respect my elders. As a child, I was taught that it didn't matter what it was. If somebody gave me a stick of gum, I better daggone say thank you. I also went to grade school. Do you know that I learned more protocols in grade school? I learned that I needed to keep my hands to myself. (laughs) Funny thing. (laughs) I thought I could just, you know, do anything. I also learned that if I needed to use the restroom, I needed to. I also learned that when we were walking to the cafeteria that I was not supposed to cut in line. There are certain protocols. Do you know when I went to the military? There it is. I thought, man, I'm away from the protocols. I've gotten away from it. I went to the military. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, and this and that and the other. Do you know there are protocols this way? Why would we feel silly about thinking about protocols this way? As we approach the king. By the way, Dr. Edmund was said, listen, if you don't observe the protocols that are set forth, you will not be counted worthy to meet the king. By the way, as I said, that was his last sermon illustration. And I know that people were probably saddened and astonished all at the same time. But I got news for you. In the moment he snapped to the floor, the moment that he snapped into the presence of Almighty God, he would have never wanted to come back. Oh, listen, we gather. Yes, we gather week after week after week in corporate worship. But worship is truly personal. Worship is to be practiced each and every day. You should have already been worshiping the Lord before you got here this morning. You ought to be worshiping the Lord right now. Oh, listen, in fact, we're given new opportunities each and every day to worship the God and worship our our King. And certainly our God is more than willing to meet us anywhere, anytime, at any, any, uh, any situation. But when we come into His presence, we need to do so with a heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit that acknowledges His kingship, but not only His kingship, that acknowledges that He is the only one worthy of our worship. Oh, yes. In my Bible, look at your Bible. I don't know if you have this in your Bible. In my Bible, over Psalm 100, there's a little heading. There's a little heading. And in my Bible, it calls it a psalm of praise. By the way, it's the only one that is declared a psalm of praise. But I was interested in that little heading psalm of praise in other words when I looked up the meaning of that it's talking about this is a song of confession this is a song of of adoration of praise and literally here's what it said a choir of worshipers oh guess what welcome to the choir you are a choir of worshipers I don't want to join the choir I didn't say join the choir you're already in the choir 
If you're a blood-bought child of God, you are a choir of worshipers. And so as a choir, I just think it's important for us today to look at how we ought to approach the king. Because guess what? He is the king and we are not. So look with me. Verse number one. I think we ought to be excited when we approach the king. None of this ho-hum, ho-drum, down and out, lips sticking out, sad faces. We ought to be excited when we come into the presence of the king. In fact, verse number one tells us to make a joyful noise. Do you know that phrase, to make a joyful noise, means that you and I are to shout to split the ears. Oh, I just woke up some of you. We ought to split the ears of Almighty God. We ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord is what Scripture says. And why not? I know you people, and you know me. We're a bunch of emotional people, aren't we? Anybody get emotional around here? Let me ask you a question. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, this is, this is partly my life too. Have you ever cried when you watched a Hallmark movie? <laughs> these movies on the up channel and people are falling in love with one another and sometimes you get a little moisty eye syndrome we're emotional people aren't we hey anybody ever been to a sporting event mama posy i bet you get emotional when you watch that boy throw that ball you better throw strikes you get emotional about that don't we we get emotional about all kinds of things. And yet some of us, I'm not going to say who, if the shoe fits where it, but some of us barely get excited when we come to approach the King of Kings. Oh, listen. Oh, we ought to be excited. You see, when we ought to be excited to shout out verbally to the King. This verse of Scripture is reminding us. Remember, in a kingdom, there is a king, and all kings have subjects. And so as his subjects, we ought to be excited. We ought to be triumphantly shouting out to the King when the King appears. And when we gather in the presence of one another, guess what? The King is in our midst. Do you know the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people? Oh, we ought to approach the, oh yeah, we ought to approach the king with excitement. Oh, listen, when it comes to approaching him in worship, our agenda should be to meet with him just as his agenda is to meet with us and making a joyful noise gets his attention. Have you ever tried to get the attention of somebody in your family and it takes you a few times to get their attention? Wives are saying, mm-hmm. I tried to get my husband's attention yesterday and he just looked at me like he couldn't hear. Listen, sometimes we must repeat. Have you ever tried to get the attention of a child? Some of us are still acting like child, children, excuse me, before I'm corrected by my mother-in-law. <laughs> my mother-in-law and I have a lot of fun. <laughs> we do. You know, as believers, it, this should be natural. Shouting for joy should be natural. I think about what James says in James chapter 1 and verse number 7. He says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, the reason that we ought to get excited is not because of the good and the perfect gifts. We ought to get excited because he never changes. Our God never changes. You change, I change, but he never changes. He's the one constant in our life. We ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Woo, I'll get excited today. 
Listen, he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. Am I right? Oh, listen, and whether you think you have a singing voice or not, sir, I'll tell you what, I love watching men in, in worship services. Men just, it's like. And some of you don't even do that. I'm giving you a little bit of extra credit. I'm setting the bar a little bit high for you. Some of them are like. Do you know I don't care if you do that, but you know who does? The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Listen, I've heard some awful people sing. Listen, I've been around people who make some nasty noise. And it might sound bad to us, but it sounds beautiful to God when it's a joyful noise under the Lord as we approach Him. As the worship choir, we ought to be making some noise. Oh yes, I know what someone's going to say. Well, pastor, I take umbrage with your message because the Bible says to be still and know that I am God. Yes, there's a time to be still and know, but there's also a time to make a joyful noise. Oh, listen, it's time that we make a joyful noise. And by the way, I was thinking about this in this point. You remember in Luke chapter 19 Jesus is on his way in making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and the Pharisees they come to him and and they demand Jesus that he rebuke they're like rebuke your disciples they're making too much noise and Jesus said in verse number 40 you remember what he said he said uh, if I tell them to be quiet then the stones the do we grasp what he's saying he's saying if I tell my subjects to be quiet, then those inanimate stones will immediately cry out. Listen, a stone ever, never, ever should make more noise than you and I when it comes to worshiping the king, when it comes to approaching the king, if you please. Oh, listen, we're to be raising a voice of joy. Some of you in the choir remember we used to sing that song like it was a habit. Raise, raise a voice of joy. I believe Chuck had to solo on that. I don't know. Chuck used to sing that song. Oh, listen, we worship, we approach the king, excuse me, for worship because he's greatly to be praised. Oh, listen, we ought to be excited. Number two, look at verse number two. Now stay with me. Some of you are going to get nervous here because I've already told you it's not about what we do, do, do. But look at verse two. Worship is not about doing, 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 but we should be serving. Oh, it got real quiet. Is this the only reason he preached this message? Because last week he said we need people to serve the Lord. No, it's not the only reason I preached this message. But you know, I woke up Monday morning saying serve the Lord with gladness. That was the first thing I thought in my heart Monday morning when I woke up. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, sometimes it's difficult to serve the Lord with gladness. Counselors, it may have felt a little difficult this week to serve the Lord with gladness. But isn't it worth it when one places his faith in Jesus? Isn't it worth it? When God does what only God can do? Oh, yes, it's worth it. Oh, listen. We're, by the way, we're created by God for worship. So it's not about serving. We're already created for worship. But I would also suggest that worship is not a spectator sport. And here's what I put in my notes. And I want to make sure I read it accurately so that you can take it. If you don't take anything else from this point, take this point. We don't serve as a means of worship. It's because of our worship that we serve. 
We don't serve as a means of worship. It's because of our worship that we actually serve. Look at the beginning of verse number 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now that word serve literally means, you got it. Go ahead, figure it out. Serve. It means to work, to serve. But here's what it's meaning. It's actually denoting not just a task. It's not denoting, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to pick up this speaker and I'll move it over here because this is where Taylor wants. No, it's denoting an overall way of life. Serve the Lord with gladness. Live in worship to the King with gladness. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we serve. Our Lord is King of kings. And any service resulting in advance or afterwards in worship of, our king, of His kingship should be considered a privilege and an honor. Oh, it's a joy to serve the Lord. I remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 in verse number 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, he's speaking to believers, he said, but that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is, watch the last one, which is your reasonable what? Service. You see what, by, what God's word is saying is that because of God's mercy. See, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercies, it's reasonable. It's reasonable for the king. It's reasonable for our Lord. It's reasonable for our Savior to expect you and I as believers to offer ourselves as living, holy, acceptable sacrifices or well-pleasing sacrifices to God. Again, serving isn't worship because I can get anybody to serve. I can get somebody to serve. I can get somebody to cut the grass. But that doesn't mean they worship the Lord. So you see, serving isn't the idea of worship. But if we truly worship the Lord, serving is not going to be a problem. If we're truly worshiping the Lord, serving is not going to be a problem. It's been said that every act of worship is an act of service. And every act of service done for the Lord is an act of worship. I was reading A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer once said that through our worship, he was talking about our worship and our service for the Lord. And here's what he said. He said, God wants to cultivate within us the adoration and admiration of which he is worthy. He wants to reveal to each of us the blessed element of spiritual fascination in true worship. He wants to teach us the wonder of being filled with moral excitement in our worship, entranced. What? Notice what he says, entranced with the knowledge of who God is. He wants us to be astonished at the inconceivable elevation and magnitude and splendor of Almighty God. Oh, may we be entranced. May we be filled. That word entranced means to be filled with wonder. May we be filled with wonder at the knowledge of who God is. May the knowledge of the holy cause us to be filled with all wonder. May we be astonished at His splendor. Oh, what a God we serve. We ought to be excited. We should be serving. And next, look at the end of verse 2. We should be vocal. You say, haven't we been vocal enough? It already said to be joyful, make a joyful noise. Now, I think that verse 2 comes back. Remember, just as we teach kids in repetition, it's coming back to teach us in repetition. It says this. It says to come before His presence with what? You see, God's desire is that we worship Him and we worship Him alone. 
2021, let's just be honest, it's hard to do that. Because everything else is vying for our attention. Everything else is vying for us to worship it. Our job wants us to worship the almighty job and the almighty dollar. Our family wants us to worship the family in the future of our children. By the way, I have no problem in training up a child in the way you should go. I have no problem of putting the needs of children as a priority in our life. But when our children become more important than God, we've got a problem. I know that's not popular thinking, but it's, it's biblical thinking. We worship everything in 2021. Except for what really probably, not probably, should be the most important Oh, we should be vocal. Our shouts of joy in verse number one. It says, make a joyful noise. Our shouts of joy. If they're genuine in verse number one, they're going to turn into songs of praise in verse number two. Joy that resonates from our heart should manifest itself in singing. That means that you're going to have to utter something out of your mouth, sir and ma'am and young person. Yeah, singing ain't cool. You know, we don't sing no more, Pastor. We don't sing. Who says so? God didn't say so. The world might tell you that you don't sing to God, but he says that we ought to come before his presence with singing. And so if he says it, like the old pastor of yesteryear said, if he says it, that settles it. Psalm 95 and verse 1, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 96 says this, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. See, when you have Jesus in your heart, you have a new song to sing. It's a song of the redeemed. Sing unto the Lord, all ye earth. Verse number 2 says, Sing unto the Lord, bless or praise His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. You want to know how we can best show forth His salvation from day to day? It's called in worship. As we worship the King. Psalm 104 and 33 says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Now, what you need to understand is that I've been around music all my life. My dad, my dad has literally led music ministries since the time he could walk. In that southern Illinois town, he and my aunt were leading worship at their church as children. Something that continued on throughout all his life. My mother, she still is in music ministry today. She's probably getting ready to play the piano this afternoon for a worship service. And if any of you know my history, you know that I have been blessed to be around some of the most uh, gifted musicians in all the world. But I want everybody to understand this. Worshiping the king, approaching the king in worship, worshiping the king is not about the musicians. It's not about the music. It's about the one from whom all blessings flow. You see, we might write, we might sing, we might play great songs. Because after all, music is the form that most of the time we use to express our gladness. It's the form that we use to express our joy and our praise. And we can write, we can play, we can sing all of these types of music. But those things are not what brings us the gladness, the joy, or the praise. They're simply a gift that God allows us to use to express what's really going on inside. Oh, we have to be careful with this thing. It's been said that there are at least 575 references to praise, singing, and music found in the Bible. 
And at the very center of Scripture is a 150-song hymnal known as the Psalms. Oh, would God that we would get back and sing some of these Psalms each and every day of our life. Oh, take a journey through the songs found in Psalms. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13 and verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of God to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Singing should be a constant form of approach. Number four, look at verse number three. Not only should we be excited and serving and vocal, but notice this, we should know him. You're not going to approach the king if you don't know him. How, how do we ever expect to worship something we don't know about? Notice what verse 3, it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Listen, our worship, our approach and our worship should be in response to the truth of who God is. Once I have an understanding and a relationship of who God is, man, that ought to cultivate my approach to Him in worship. Oh, listen, we cannot fully worship our King if we don't know much about Him. And the knowledge of God, I'll be honest with you, verse 3 here is talking about much more than just an intellectual knowledge. You see, the knowledge of God must be more than intellectual or theological. Our knowledge must be personal. So I ask you, do you know him? Do you know him? Because he wants to know you. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants to know you today. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to understand what it means to approach the king in worship. Oh, listen, we cannot bow down and worship humbly in worship. We cannot make a joyful noise. We cannot rightly serve him. We cannot rightfully sing to him. We cannot rightfully thank him for anything unless we know him and understand his worthiness of our worship. By the way, knowing him begins by trusting that he is God and God alone. There is one God, God alone, one God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons of the Trinity, but there is one God and one God alone. And if you're watching online, you're here in this room and you don't know him, I beg you today, I would, I, it would be my privilege to show you from Scripture how that you could know him, not just today, but forevermore, amen? So it begins by knowing that God is God alone, but look at verse 3. You see, knowing him continues by recognizing that he is our creator. Verse 3 says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You see, the heavens declare the glory of God. As Psalm 19 and verse number 1 says, it declares the glory of God. And the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Colossians 1, it says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and visible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, all things means all things was created by Him and for Him. Verse 17, And He, Jesus Christ, is before. Now that word before, it literally means He's superior to all things. He's more important than all things. Why? Because He's the King. What a, what a King we serve. Oh, listen, what a great opportunity we have to serve the king of kings. He created all the heavens. He created all the earth. He created things visible and invisible. We are not self-made. I was thinking about Jeremiah 1.5. Actually, I was thinking about Jeremiah. I'll just be honest with you. I hadn't seen my little adopted grandson, and I was getting a little Jeremiah lonesome. 
And I was thinking about Jeremiah. You know what God said to Jeremiah? He said, before I formed thee, I knew thee. He said, before I, before I even formed you. What? He knew Gregory Allen Corcoran before he ever formed me. Before I ever was born. When we understand, when we know who God is, that ought to, that ought to, that ought to, that ought to uh, be a, uh, in our mind and in our heart as we approach the king to worship the king. All oh, my friends, knowing him is understanding and recognizing that he created us. Knowing him also realizes that he takes care of his children. Look at the last part of verse 3. It says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, we belong to him. You belong to the king. Well, pastor, I kind of lead my own life. Okay, congratulations. You still belong to the king because the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Whether you understand or recognize the king in this life or not, one day you will see him as he is. We will all see him. See, we're his possession. We're his people. We are his sheep. And you know, there's been a lot. The sheep have been a much maligned animal. You know, talking about how dumb sheep are. I'm not worried about how dumb sheep are. I'm, I'm just thankful that I have a shepherd over all the sheep. Oh, that he leads us and he guides us through his Holy Spirit. Oh, listen, as believers, we can be confident that our good shepherd, he hears and he cares for us. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Oh, listen, he wants to feed us. He wants to lead us. He wants to watch over us and to protect us and to care for us. But only, only, only if we will let him. He's not going to barge his way in. Honestly, knowing that the Lord is God may only seem like a reminder to believers. But can I tell you that knowing God is a precursor for all worship. You don't worship if you don't know God. You may, you may fake it a few times, but you don't worship the king if you don't know him. In the end, I put in my notes, it's only those who are personally and practically in love, those who are personally and practically know him, that are likely to offer acceptable praise and adoration. Look at lastly, number five. In verse number four, we should be filled with gratitude. We should be filled with gratitude. The verse four says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be ye thankful unto him and bless his name. Listen, being negative, being uh, focused on negative things or even the disappointments in life will not do. God says, enter my gates with thanksgiving. You see what's talking about here? This is an analogy, quite honestly. You see, our gratitude is what, what he's saying is your gratitude ought to guide you when you approach me. Enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. So he's talking about the fact that our gratitude ought to direct or guide us as we approach the king. And this is an analogy taken from the temple. And so the psalmist is telling us right here in verse number 4 how we should enter into God's presence. You see, the gates of the temple, there was an outer wall that surrounded the temple. And so to enter into God's presence through the gates, basically he, what Scripture is saying is that we do that, we enter in by thanking Him for all He has done. So have you entered into His gates this morning? In your heart and in your mind with thanksgiving? 
Have you entered into his courts with praise? You see, because once we're inside of those outer gates, as we approach the king, we're to enter his, his courts with praise. In other words, this is where we praise God for who God is. I would also suggest that as we praise God for who he is, it would be right for us to understand who we are not. Psalm 96 verse 8 tells us to give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. If nothing else, if it's just about his glory, there's enough right there to sing and to be thankful and to offer praise for all eternity. Just for his glory. It says, give unto the Lord the glory unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I put in my notes, like the smoke of the incense that filled the temple. Our thanksgiving and our praise should be evident as we approach the king. Oh, listen. What if this room were filled with the smoke of our thanks and praise? It ought to be. Someone has said it this way. Praise is the way into worship and worship is the way into encountering the living God. In his book, Worship 365, it was author David Edwards who wrote this. He said, when we praise God, we are ringing the doorbell, making our presence known, letting him know that we have come to see him. And when he hears our praise, he gets up and he opens the door and invites us to come in. When we go inside, we move from praise to worship. In other words, praise is the vehicle into God's presence and worship is what we do once we get into his presence. Oh, praise you the Lord. Hey, look at one little funny little thing because the way my mind works. Look at verse number four again. Can we show verse four again? It says here, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Do you see the repetition there? We're being told twice in one verse to offer thanks. We're being told twice in that same verse to offer praise. This is how we come. This is how we approach the king, as we prepare for worship. And why do we do these things? I already said it when I read it the first time. Look at verse number five. We do these things for the Lord. Why? Because he's good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Listen, God's goodness is summed up in his character. He is good. He is gracious. He is kind. He is loving. He's not fickle or forgetful. Anybody here fickle? Who's fickle in this room? Be honest. Got a bunch of fickle people up in here. You know, I was fickle this morning. I think my wife looked at me like three or four times. I was in the bathroom. I had the tie around my neck, then I took the tie off. Then I had the tie on my neck, then I had the tie off. I had the tie on my neck a third time, I took it off. And, and I think she woke up, she was like, what are you doing? I said, I just, I, I, I can't make up my mind. Tie, no tie, no tie. I, I was so fickle that I actually, it's sitting in my office. Still tied. It's still tied. I was like, yeah, it looks really good. It's kind of bright. And, you know, it's kind of like the blue of the bags back there. I was like, I don't know, maybe too bright, maybe not bright. I don't know. And so I was fickle all the way till like 5 till 10. Am I going to wear the tie? Am I not going to wear the tie? You know, we're fickle people. And it, let me ask this. Here's, a, here's another one. Anybody been to Walmart lately? Uh, anybody here forgetful? Can I tell you guys something? Our God is neither fickle nor forgetful. He doesn't say one thing and do another. 
when our God makes a promise, he keeps it. He's good. He's gracious. He's kind. He's a loving God. And the way we approach him matters. When we come together as a choir of worshipers, it matters. It matters. And so I say we need to be excited. We need to make a joyful noise. We should be serving. We should be vocal. We need to make sure it's all based on the fact that we know him. And we should be more than anything else. We ought to be people who are filled, 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 overflowing with gratitude. Oh, listen, when we grasp and are gripped with the greatness, with the holiness, the wisdom, the goodness, the loving kindness, the truthfulness, and the faithfulness of our God, I got news for you. Worship is going to follow. It's going to follow. And guess what? It's not going to be something that we do. It's going to be evident in the life that we live. It's going to be evident to people. Man, that, there, goes, there goes a worshiper. That, that person at work, his thoughts are guided by God's thoughts. His actions are guided by the holy. His, everything he does, everything he thinks, everything he says, every decision he or she makes, they're guided by the principles from Scripture. People will be able to see that we are actually worshiping all the time as we live out our lives. By the way, remember one last time because I feel like a broken record. And you know, I was told a long time ago, don't communicate so that it can be understood. Communicate so that it can never be misunderstood. And so let me just say this one last time. Worship is not the shout. Worship is not the serving. Worship is not the singing. Worship is not the thanksgiving. And worship is not the praise. These are simply preludes and as my dad would say, postludes to worship which is all about knowing him, responding to him, valuing him, and celebrating him more than anything ever else, anything that you could ever think of in this life. Whew. Man, do you know him? We ought to get excited. And I know somebody will be like, hey, he's talking about making a joyful noise. Is he getting a little Pentecostal? What if I am? Jesus is the king. If you're going to get excited about something, we would all do well. Baptist, in between, whatever you call yourself, just be sure you're a Christian. I've said many times, by the way, if you're visiting here, you need to know this right from the get-go. Being a Baptist ain't taking you to heaven. Being a Methodist ain't taking you to heaven. I'm sorry, Dad. God bless you. <laughs> Being a Catholic ain't getting you to heaven. Being whatever else you want to call yourself ain't getting you to heaven. There's only one way. There's only one truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. We must approach the king... Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy, worthy, worthy. And so if you're here today and you don't know him, can I beg you? Can I plead with you? Today is the day that the Lord has made. He has given you an opportunity in this place right now. If you're tired of playing church, maybe you've been around the gospel. Maybe you've heard the gospel. Maybe you think you know a little bit about the gospel, but you have never ever placed your faith. You've never repented and said, God, I'm a sinner. 
and I need you in my life, if you've never made that decision, you've never consciously called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, can I beg you right now? It's the appointed hour. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know Christ beyond a shadow of doubt. I know that I'm headed for heaven. Can I ask you to consider how you've approached the king recently in your life? Have you approached him by making a joyful noise? Have you approached him through living and serving and praising him? Have you approached him vocally? Have you uh, uh, approached him through the knowledge of him in his holiness? Have you approached him in gratitude? Can I beg you, if you're a believer, that you wouldn't leave this room until you get right with God? If there's somebody in this room that you need to apologize to, you need to ask forgiveness from, can I beg you to do that too? You see, last week, the altar was pretty full with people who said they were going to recommit themselves to depending on God. What you didn't know is this is kind of a follow-up. If we're really going to depend on God, then we must approach Him as God. And so I beg you, as we go into a sweet time of invitation, where everybody's going to have the opportunity to pray, everybody's going to have the opportunity to do business with the Lord, I beg you to do it. Don't walk out of here without making uh, the necessary decisions that you need to make spiritually so that when you walk out those doors, you'll be better suited for today, tomorrow, and the next day to approach the king, to live out your faith in a way that brings him, as the psalmist said, the glory due unto him. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the time that we've had in your word. God, I pray that you will work as only you can during this sweet song of invitation. God, as we recognize your worthiness, as we recognize who you are, God, help us to approach you in a way that is acceptable and pleasing and is reasonable. God, help us to give you the glory for you're the only one that deserves it. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.